Act One of Every Man in His Humor by Ben Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Every Man in His Humor Dramatis Personae. Nowell, an old gentleman, read by Todd. Edward Nowell, his son, read by Rob Marland. Brainworm, the father's man, read by James Curran. George Downright, a plain squire, read by Algy Pug. Wellbred, his half brother, read by Jim Gallagher. Kitely, a merchant, read by Joseph Tabler. Captain Bobadil, a Paul's man, read by Brad. Master Stephen, a country gull. Prologue, read by Alan Mapstone. Master Matthew, the town gull, read by T. J. Burns. Thomas Cash, Kitley's Cashier, read by B. Danziger. Oliver Cobb, a water bearer, read by Thomas Peter. Justice Clement, an old merry magistrate read by nima roger formal his clerk read by eva davis servant read by phone dame kitely kitely's wife read by beth thomas mrs bridget his sister read by lian yao tib cobb's wife read by sonia stage directions read by babia scene london prologue though need make many poets and some such as art and nature have not bettered much yet ours for want hath not so loved the stage as he dare serve the ill customs of the age or purchase your delight at such a rate as for it he himself must justly hate to make a child now swaddled to proceed man and then shoot up in one beard and weed past threescore years or with three rusty swords and help of some few foot and half foot words fight over york and lancaster's king jars and in the tiring house bring wounds to scars he rather praised you will be pleased to see one such to-day as other plays should be where neither chorus wafts you o'er the seas, nor creaking throne comes down the boys to please, nor nimble squib is seen to make afeard the gentlewomen, nor rolled bullet heard to say it thunders, nor tempestuous drum rumbles to tell you when the storm doth come. But deeds and language such as men do use, and persons such as comedy would choose when she would show an image of the times and sport with human follies not with crimes except we make them such by loving still our popular errors when we know they're ill i mean such errors as you'll all confess by laughing at them they deserve no less which when you heartily do there's hope left then you that have so graced monsters may like men 
Act One, Scene One, A Street, Enter Noel at the door of his house. A goodly day toward, and a fresh morning. Brainworm, Enter Brainworm. Call up your young master. Bid him rise, sir. Tell him I have some business to employ him. I will, sir. Presently. But hear you, sirrah. If he be at his book, disturb him not. Very good, sir. How happy yet should I esteem myself, could I, by any practice, wean the boy from one vain course of study he affects. He is a scholar, if a man may trust the liberal voice of fame in her report, of good account in both our universities, either of which hath favoured him with graces. But their indulgence must not spring in me a fond opinion that he cannot err. Myself was once a student, and indeed, fed with the self-same humour he is now, dreaming on naught but idle poetry, that fruitless and unprofitable art, good unto none, but least to the professors, which then I thought the mistress of all knowledge. But since time and the truth have waked my judgment, and reason taught me better to distinguish the vain from the useful learnings. Enter Master Stephen. Cousin Stephen, what news with you that you are here so early? Nothing, but in come to see how you do, Uncle. That's kindly done. You are welcome, cuz. Ay, I know that, sir. I would not have come else. How does my cousin Edward, Uncle? Oh, well, cuz, go in and see. I doubt he be scarce stirring yet. Uncle, afore I go in, can you tell me any have e'er a book of the science of hawking and hunting? I would fain borrow it. Why, I hope you will not a hawking now, will you? No, worse. But I'll practice against next year, Uncle. I have bought me a hawk and a hood, and bells and all. I lack nothing but a book to keep it by. Ah, oh, most ridiculous. Nay, look you now, you are angry, uncle. Why, you know and a man not have skill in hawking and hunting languages nowadays, I'll not give a rush for him. They are more studied than the Greek or the Latin. He is for no gallant's company without them. And by Gadslid, I scorn it, I, so I do, to be a consort for every humdrum. Hang them, scroils. There's nothing in them in the world. What do you talk on it? Because I dwell in Ogsden, I shall keep company with none but the archers of Finsbury, or the citizens that come a-duck into the Islington ponds. A fine jesty faith. Slid, a gentleman, mun show himself like a gentleman. Uncle, I pray you be not angry. I know what I have to do, I trow. I am no novice. You are a prodigal, absurd coxcomb. Go to. Nay, never look at me. Tis I that speak. Take it as you will, sir. I'll not flatter you. Have you not yet found means enough to waste that which your friends have left you, 
but you must go cast away your money on a buzzard and know not how to keep it when you have done oh it is comely this will make you a gentleman well cousin well i see you are in past hope of all reclaim ay so now you were told on it you look another way what would you have me do what would i have you do i'll tell you kinsman learn to be wise and practised how to thrive that i would have you do and not to spend your coin on every bauble that you fancy or every foolish brain that humours you i would not have you to invade each place nor thrust yourself on all societies till man's affections or your own desert should worthily invite you to your rank he that is so respectless in his courses oft sells his reputation at cheap market nor would i you should melt away yourself in flashing bravery lest while you affect to make a blaze of gentry to the world a little puff of scorn extinguish it and you be left like an unsavoury snuff whose property is only to offend i'd have you sober and contain yourself not that your sail be bigger than your boat but moderate your expenses now at first as you may keep the same proportion still nor stand so much on your gentility which is an airy and mere borrowed thing from dead men's dust and bones and none of yours except you make or hold it enter a servant who comes here save you gentlemen nay we do not stand much on our gentility friend yet you are welcome and i assure you mine uncle here is a man of a thousand a year middlesex land he has but one son in all the world i am his next heir at the common law master stephen as simple as i stand here if my cousin die as there's a hope he will i have a pretty living of my own too besides hard by here in good time sir in good time sir why and in very good time sir you do not flout friend do you not i sir not you sir you were best not sir and you should here be them can perceive it and that quickly too go to and they can give it again soundly to and need be why sir let this satisfy you good faith i have no such intent sir and i thought you had i would talk with you and that presently good master stephen so you may sir at your pleasure and so i would sir good my saucy companion and you are out of my uncle's ground i can tell you though i do not stand upon my gentility neither int cousin cousin will this ne'er be left horse and base fellow a mechanical serving man by this cudgel and twere not for shame i would what would you do you peremptory gull if you cannot be quiet get you hence you see the honest man demeans himself modestly toward you giving no reply to your unseasoned quarrelling rude fashion and still you huff it with a kind of carriage as void of wit as of humanity go get you in for heaven i am ashamed thou hast a kinsman's interest in me 
Exit Master Stephen. I pray, sir, is this Master Knowles' house? Yes, Mary, it is, sir. I should inquire for a gentleman here, one Master Edward Knoll. Do you know any such, sir, I pray you? I should forget myself else, sir. Are you the gentleman? Cry you mercy, sir. I was required by a gentleman in the city, as I rode out at this end of the town, to deliver you this letter, sir. To me, sir? What do you mean? Pray, you remember your curtsy. Reads. To his most selected friend, Master Edward Nowell. What might the gentleman's name be, sir, that sent it? Nay, pray you be covered. One Master Wellbred, sir. Master Wellbred? A young gentleman, is he not? The same, sir. Master Kitely married his sister, the rich merchant in the old Jewry. You say very true. Brainworm! Enter Brainworm. Sir. Make this honest friend drink here. Pray you, go in. Exeunt Brainworm and Servant. This letter is directed to my son. Yet I am Edward Noel too, and may, with a safe conscience of good manners, use the fellow's error to my satisfaction. Well, I will break it ope. Old men are curious. Be it but for the style's sake and the phrase, to see if both do answer my son's praises, who is almost grown the idolater of this young well-bred. What have we here? What's this? Reads. Why, Ned, I beseech thee, hast thou forsworn all thy friends in the old Jewry? Or dost thou think us all Jews that inhabit there? Yet, if thou dost, come over, and but see our frippery, change an old shirt for a whole smock with us. Do not conceive that antipathy between us and Hogsden, as was between Jews and Hog's flesh. Leave thy vigilant father alone, to number over his green apricots, evening and morning, on the northwest wall. And I had been his son, I had saved him the labor long since, if taking in all the young wenches that passed by at the back door, and coddling every kernel of the fruit for them, would have served. But prithee, come over to me quickly this morning. I have such a present for thee. Our turkey company never sent the like to the Grand Seigneur. One is a rhymer, sir, of your own batch, your own leaven, but doth think himself poet-master of the town, willing to be shown, and worthy to be seen. The other, I will not venture his description with you, till you come, because I would have you make hither with an appetite. If the worst of them be not worth your journey, draw your bill of charges, as unconscionable as any guildhall verdict will give it you, and you shall be allowed your viaticum. From the Windmill from the bordello it might come as well, the spittle or picked hatch. Is this the man my son hath sung so, for the happiest wit, the choicest brain, the times have sent us forth? I know not what he may be in the arts, nor what in schools. But, surely, for his manners, I judge him a profane and desolate wretch. Worse by profession of such great good gifts, being the master of so loose a spirit. Why, what unhallowed ruffian would have writ in such a scurrilous manner to a friend? Why should he think I tell my apricots, or play the Hesperian dragon with my fruit to watch it? Well, my son, 
I have thought you had had more judgment to have made election of your companions than to have taken on trust such petulant jeering gamesters that can spare no argument or subject from their jest. But I perceive affection makes a fool of any man too much the father. Brainworm! Enter Brainworm. Sir. Is the fellow gone that brought this letter? Yes, sir. A pretty while since. And where is your young master? In his chamber, sir. He spake not with the fellow, did he? No, sir. He saw him not. Take you this letter and deliver it to my son. But with no notice that I have opened it on your life. Oh, Lord, sir. That were a jest indeed. Exit. I am resolved I will not stop his journey, nor practice any violent means to stay the unbridled course of youth in him. For that, restrained, grows more impatient, and in kind, like to the eager, but the generous greyhound, who ne'er so little from his game withheld, turns head and leaps up at his holder's throat. There is a way of winning more by love and urging of the modesty than fear. Force works on servile natures, not the free. He that's compelled to goodness may be good, but tis but for that fit, where others, drawn by softness and example, get a habit. Then, if they stray, but warn them, and the same they should for virtue have done, they'll do for shame. Exit. Scene 2. A room in Noble's house. Enter Edward Noble with a letter in his hand, followed by Brainworm. Did he open it, sayest thou? Yes, oh my word, sir. And read the contents. That scarce contents me. What countenance privy made he in the reading of it? Was he angry or pleased? Nay, sir. I saw him not read it, nor open it, I assure your worship. No? How knowest thou then that he did either? Marry, sir, because he charged me, on my life, to tell nobody that he'd opened it, which, unless he'd done, he never would have feared to have it revealed. That's true. Well, I thank thee, Brainworm. Enter Stephen. Oh, Brainworm, didst thou not see a fellow hear him what shall call him doublet? He brought mine uncle a letter e'en now. Yes, Master Stephen, what of him? Oh, I have such a mind to beat him. Where is he? Canst thou tell? Faith, he is not of that mind. He is gone, Master Stephen. Gone? Which way? When went he? How long since? He is rid hence. He took horse at the street door. And I stayed in the fields, whoresome scanderbag rogue. Oh, that I had but a horse to fetch him back again. Why, you may have my master's gelding, to save your longing, sir. But I have no boots, that's the spite on't. Why, a fine wisp of hay, rolled hard, Master Stephen. No, faith, it's no boot to follow him now. Let him e'en go and hang. Prithee, help to trust me a little. He does so vex me. You'll be worst vexed when you're trust, Master Stephen. Best keep unbraced, and walk yourself till you be cold. Your collar 
they found her you else by my faith and so i will now thou tellst me on it how dost thou like my leg brainworm a very good leg master stephen but the willing stocking does not commend it so well foe the stockings be good enough now summer is coming on for the dust i'll have a pair of silk against winter that i go to dwell in the town i think my leg would show in a silk hose believe me master stephen rarely well in sadness i think it would i have a reasonable good leg you have an excellent good leg master stephen but i cannot stay to praise it longer now and i am very sorry for it exit another time will serve brainworm gramercy for this <laughs> slid i hope he laughs not at me and he do here was a letter indeed to be intercepted by a man's father and do him good with him he cannot but think most virtuously both of me and the sender sure that make the careful costermonger of him in our familiar epistles well if he read this with patience i'll be gelt and trill ballads for master john trundle yonder the rest of my mortality it is true and likely my father may have as much patience as another man for he takes much physic and oft taking physic makes a man very patient but would your packet master wellbred had arrived at him in such a minute of his patience then we had known the end of it which now is doubtful and threatens seize master stephen what my wise cousin nay then i'll furnish our feast with one girl more toward the mess he writes to me of a brace and here's one that's three oh for a fourth fortune if ever thou it use thine eyes i entreat thee oh now i see who he laughed at he laughed at somebody in that letter by this good light and he had laughed at me how now cousin stephen melancholy yes a little i thought you had laughed at me cousin why what an i had cuz what would you have done by this light i would have told mine uncle nay if you would have told your uncle i did laugh at you cuz did you indeed yes indeed why then what then i am satisfied it is sufficient why be so gentle cuz and i pray you let me entreat a courtesy of you i am sent for this morning by a friend in the old jewry to come to him it is but crossing over the fields to moorgate will you bear me company i protest it is not to draw you into bond or any plot against the state cuz sir that's all one and it were you shall command me twice so far as moorgate to do you good in such a matter do you think i would leave you i protest no no you shall not protest cuz by my frackings but i will by your leave i'll protest more to my friend than i'll speak of at this time you speak very well cuz nay not so neither 
you shall pardon me but i speak to serve my turn your turn cuz do you know what you say a gentleman of your sorts parts carriage and estimation to talk of your turn in this company and to me alone like a tankard-bearer at a conduit fie a white that hitherto his every step hath left the stamp of a great foot behind him as every word the saviour of a strong spirit and he this man so graced gilded or to use a more fit metaphor so tenfold by nature as not ten housewives pewter again a good time shews more bright to the world than he and he as i said last so i say again and still shall say it this man to conceal such real ornaments as these and shadow their glory as a milliner's wife does her wrought stomacher with a smoky lawn or a black cypress oh cuz it cannot be answered go not about it drake's old ship at deptford may sooner circle the world again come wrong not the quality of your desert with looking downward cuz but hold up your head so and let the idea of what you are be portrayed in your face that men may read in your physnomy here within this place is to be seen the true rare and accomplished monster or miracle of nature which is all one what think you of this cuz why i do think of it and i will be more proud and melancholy and gentlemanlike than i have been i'll ensure you why that's resolute master stephen now if i can but hold him up to his height as it is happily begun it will do well for a suburb humour we may hap have a match with the city and play him for forty pound come cuz i'll follow you follow me you must go before nay and i must i will pray you show me good cousin exeunt scene three the lane before cobb's house enter master matthew i think this be the house what ho enter cobb who's there oh master matthew give your worship good morrow what cobb how dost thou good cobb dost thou inhabit here cobb ay sir i in my lineage have kept a poor house here in our days thy lineage monsieur cobb what lineage what lineage why sir an ancient lineage and a princely my ancestry came from a king's belly no worse man and yet no man either by your worship's leave i did lie in that but herring the king of fish from his belly i proceed one of the monarchs of the world i assure you the first red herring that was broiled in adam and eve's kitchen do i fetch my pedigree from by the herod's book his cob was my great great mighty great grandfather why mighty why mighty i pray thee oh it was a mighty while ago sir and a mighty great cob how knowst thou that how know i why i smell his ghost ever and anon smell a ghost oh unsavoury jest and the ghost of a herring cob ay sir with favour of your worship's nose master matthew 
why not the ghost of a herring cob as well as the ghost of rasher bacon roger bacon thou wouldst say i say rasher bacon they were both broiled on the coals and a man may smell broiled meat i hope you are a scholar absolve me that now oh raw ignorance cop canst thou show me of a gentleman one captain bobadil where his lodging is oh my guest sir you mean thy guest alas <laughs> why do you laugh sir do you not mean captain bobadil cobb pray thee advise thyself well do not wrong the gentleman and thyself too i dare be sworn he scorns thy house he he lodge in such a base obscure place as thy house Tut. i know his disposition so well he would not lie in thy bed if thou'dst give it him i will not give it him though sir mass i thought someone was in it we could not get him to bed all night well sir we lie not on my bed he lies on my bench and please you to go up say you shall find him with two cushions under his head and his cloak wrapped about him as though he had neither won nor lost and yet i warrant he ne'er cast better in his life than he has done to-night why was he drunk drunk sir you hear not me say so perhaps he swallowed a tavern token or some such device sir i have nothing to do with all i deal with water and not with wine give me my tankard there ho god be with you sir it's six o'clock i should have carried two turns by this what ho my stopple come enter tib with a water tankard lie in a water-bearer's house a gentleman of his havings well i'll tell him my mind what tib show this gentleman up to the captain exit tib with master matthew oh in my house with a brazen head now faith it would even speak mo fools yet you should have some now would take this master matthew to be a gentleman at the least his father's an honest man a worshipful fishmonger and so forth and now does he creep and wriggle into acquaintance with all the brave gallants about the town such as my guest is oh, my guest is a fine man and they flout him invincibly he useth every day to a merchant's house where i serve water one master kitely's in the old jewry and here's the jest he is in love with my master's sister mrs bridget and calls her mistress and there he will sit you a whole afternoon sometimes reading of these same abominable viola a pox on him i cannot abide them rascally verses poetry poetry and speaking of interludes twill make a man burst to hear him the wenches they do so jeer and tee at him well should they do so much to me i'd forswear them all by the foot of pharaoh there's an oath how many water-bearers shall you hear swear such an oath oh i have a guest he teaches me he does swear the legiblest of any man christened by saint george the foot of pharaoh the body of me as i am a gentleman and a soldier such dainty oaths all he does take the same filthy roguish tobacco the finest and cleanliest it would do a man good to see the fumes come forth as tonnels well he owes me forty shillings my wife lent him out of her purse by sixpence at a time besides his lodging i would i had it i shall have it he says the next action hell to skelter hang sorrow care or kill a cat up tails all and a louse for the hangman Exit. Scene four. A room in Cobb's house. 
Bobadil discovered, lying on a bench. Hostess, hostess. Enter Tib. What say you, sir? A cup of thy small beer, sweet hostess. Sir, there's a gentleman below would speak with you. A gentleman? Odd, sir, I am not within. My husband told him you were, sir. What a plague, what meant he? Matthew, below. Captain Bobadil. Who's there? Take away the basin, good hostess. Come up, sir. He would desire you to come up cleanly house here. Enter Matthew. Save you, sir. Save you, Captain. Gentle Master Matthew, is it you, sir? Down. Thank you, good Captain. You may see I am somewhat audacious. Not so, sir. I was requested to supper last night by a sort of gallant where you were wished for, and drunk to, I assure you. Vouchsafe me by whom, good captain? Marry by young Wellbred and others. Why, hostess, stool here for this gentleman. No haste, sir. Tis very well. Body of me, it was so late ere we parted last night, I can scarce open my eyes yet. I was but new risen as you came. How passes the day abroad, sir? You can tell. Faith, some half-hour to seven. Now, trust me. You have an exceeding fine lodging here, very neat and private. Ay, sir, sit down, I pray you. Master Matthew, in any case, possess no gentleman of our acquaintance with notice of my lodging. Who, I, sir? No. Not that I need to care who know it, for the cabin is convenient. But in regard I would not be too popular, and generally visited as some are. True, Captain, I conceive you. For do you see, sir, by the heart of valour in me, except it to be some peculiar and choice spirit to whom I am extraordinarily engaged as yourself, or so I could not extend thus far? Oh, Lord, sir, I resolve so. I confess I love a cleanly and quiet privacy, above all the tumult and roar of fortune. What new book have you there, what? By Hieronimo? Aye. Did you ever see it acted? Is it not well penned? While Master Matthew reads, Bobadil makes himself ready. Well penned? I would fain see all the poets of these times pen such another play as that was. They'll prate and swagger and keep a stir of art and devices, when, as I am a gentleman, read them, they are the most shallow, pitiful, barren fellows that live upon the face of the earth again. Indeed. Here are a number of fine speeches in this book. O oh, eyes, no eyes, but fountains fraught with tears. There's a conceit, fountains fraught with tears. O oh, life, no life, but lively form of death. Another, O oh, world, no world, but mass of public wrongs. A third, confused and filled with murder and misdeeds. A fourth. Oh, the muses. Is it not excellent? Is it not simply the best that ever you heard, Captain? Ha! How do you like it? Tis good. To thee, the purest object to my sense, the most refined essence heaven covers. Send I these lines, wherein I do commence, the happy state of turtle-billing lovers. 
if they prove rough unpolished harsh and rude haste made the waste thus mildly i conclude nay proceed proceed where's this this sir a toy of mine own in my non-age the infancy of my muses but when will you come and see my study good faith i can show you some very good things i have done of late that boot becomes your leg passing well captain methinks so so it's the fashion gentlemen now use troth captain and now you speak of the fashion master wellbred's elder brother and i are fallen out exceedingly this other day i happened to enter into some discourse of a hanger which i assure you both for fashion and workmanship was most preemptory beautiful and gentlemanlike yet he condemned and cried it down for the most pied and ridiculous that ever he saw squire downright the half-brother was not ay sir he hang him rook he why he has no more judgment than a malt horse by st george i wonder you'd lose a thought upon such an animal the most peremptory absurd clown of christendom this day he is holden i protest to you as i am a gentleman and a soldier i ne'er changed with his like by his discourse he should eat nothing but hay he was born for the manger pannier or pack-saddle he has not so much as a good phrase in his belly but all old iron and rusty proverbs a good commodity for some smith to make hobnails of ay and he thinks to carry it away with his manhood still where he comes he brags he will give me the bastinado as i hear how he the bastinado how came he by that word trow nay indeed he said cudgel me i termed it so for my more grace that may be for i was sure it was none of his word but when when said he so faith yesterday they say a young gallant a friend of mine told me so by the foot of pharaoh and twere my case now i should send him a chartle presently the bastinado a most proper and sufficient dependence warranted by the great carranza come hither you shall chartle him i'll show you a trick or two you shall kill him with at pleasure the first to cut if you will by this air indeed you have absolute knowledge in the mystery i have heard sir of whom of whom have you heard it i beseech you troth i have heard it spoken of divers that you have very rare and unin-one-breath utterable skill sir by heaven no not i no skill in the earth some small rudiments in the science as to know my time distance also i have professed it more for noblemen and gentlemen's use than mine own practice i assure you hostess accommodate us with another bedstaff here quickly lend us another bedstaff the woman does not understand the words of action look you sir exalt not your point above this state at any hand and let your poniard maintain your defence thus give it the gentleman and leave us exit tib so sir come on o twine your body more about that you may fall to a more sweet comely gentleman-like guard so indifferent hollow your body more sir thus now stand fast to your left leg note your distance keep your due proportion of time oh you disorder your point most irregularly how is the bearing of it now sir oh out of measure ill 
a well-experienced hand would pass upon you at pleasure how mean you sir pass upon me why thus sir make a thrust at me master matthew pushes at bobadil come in upon the answer control your point and make a full career at the body the best practice gallants of the time name it the passado a most desperate thrust believe it well come sir why you do not manage your weapon with any facility or grace to invite me i have no spirit to play with you your dearth of judgment renders you tedious but one venue sir venue fie the most gross denomination as ever i heard oh the staccato while you live sir note that come put on your cloak and we'll go to some private place where you are acquainted some tavern or so and have a bit i'll send for one of these fencers and he shall breathe you by my direction and then i will teach you your trick you shall kill him with it at the first if you please why i will learn you by the true judgment of the eye hand and foot to control your enemy's point in the world should your adversary confront you with a pistol twere nothing by this hand you should by the same rule control his bullet in a line except it were hail shot and spread what money have you about you master matthew faith i have not passed a two shilling or so tis somewhat with the least but come we will have a bunch of radish and salt to taste our wine and a pipe of tobacco to close the orifice of the stomach and then we'll call upon young wellbred perhaps we shall meet this corridor his brother there and put him to the question End of Act 1